WENJ, WENJHD, Millville Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. It's a happy hour Friday right here on the Sports Bash Live. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody. You know what it means. The PT's here. And with or without you, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, J.J. Ortega whiteside Trevor Williams, Avante Maddox. Got to feel pretty good about your birds, right? Or no? Nope. Uh, Deshaun Jackson out. Al- Alshon Jeffrey out. We just gave you the injury report. I don't know who's going to play wide receiver. Maybe Pete Thompson. Peter? Michael, you ready? Always. You ready for a little with or without you Eagles version? Lay it on me, String Bean. See the Eagles head out west where they'll meet Frisco's best. The Niners are waiting for them. Thank you, Bob. No receivers and Wentz is off. Maybe the birds should have taken golf. Oh, yes, the <laughs> Niners are waiting. Oh. Waiting to kill us. Waiting to unleash George Kittle. Yeah, Sunday night football will be so ugly. I think that's all I got, buddy. Not bad. The, the golf thing, man, that was low blow, huh? He's not playing very well, Michael. No, he's not. Uh, so the injury report, uh, no Deshaun Jackson, no Alshon Jeffrey. The Jeffrey's not a huge surprise. Uh, JJ, not that many people care about that. He's doubtful. I mean, they're down to nothing here, man. Yeah, I hope you like Greg Ward because he's going to be your MVP. I mean, you know, what, what was the – Deontay Burnett, right? You know, uh, no relation to Mark Burnett that created Survivor, right? I mean, we got guys uh, – uh, I hope you have Hightower in your fantasy league. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, who are these guys? Right, you're looking at, yeah. uh, you know, maybe even uh, Quez Watkins. I don't know what they could do with him, but, uh, you know, the, yeah. he he. Look, I know you said uh, Goff and everybody's talking about him struggling, but, man, it, it has been a struggle to get receivers healthy on the field for him. Yeah, I mean, at this point, that you do have to qualify that, you know. But but at the same time, he had no receivers at the end of last year, and, and he, he wasn't this bad. Like, you know, I, I'm sorry. It's still the NFL. You ought to be able to find somebody to throw to or some way, you know. And I heard you talking to Adam Kaplan earlier in the week about Quez Watkins and could he make an impact. I also heard you talking to my man, Sal Pal, and, you know, the optimism not that he had about uh, how they were going to do it. I mean, I, I don't think there are many people out there – Look, you know, we all know that when we count the Eagles out, they do crazy things, like in the Chip Kelly year where they went up to New England and nobody gave them a chance and they won, right? I mean, we all know crazy wins do happen, but I'd be really hard-pressed to find a lot of people that feel optimistic about the Eagles going into Sunday night's game. Yeah, obviously this team is just a mess right now, but sometimes heading into certain games we talk about, is this a Doug Peterson game? Is this a Jim Schwartz game? Well, based off of what we saw with the Rams and a similar offense that you're going to see in terms of you know misdirection and things of that nature, would you classify this as a Schwartz game, or is it just too much of a mess to even go down that road? 
uh, I classify it as a game actually like where Mike Shanahan has to be licking his chops. Like when he saw what the Rams were able to do with misdirection and all that. And, and, and I've heard Gil say this, and I've heard you say this, Hunter, that, you know, the Eagles linebackers are a joke. I mean, they're, they're, they're not NFL linebackers or they're not at that high level that you need to be. And the Eagles are biting every single time. Uh, misdirection is the way to beat them. Misdirection in the tight end, obviously. So that's why I mentioned Kittle in my little ode to you two there. And that's why I also think that, you know, you could have the late Jim Johnson. You could dig him up, pull him out of the ground, and exhume him and have him coach this Eagles defense, and they wouldn't be able to perform well uh, because they just don't have the talent. Uh, yeah, that's a concerning thing. And then you go, like, uh, the injury thing, man. I, I don't know a team out there that has had the injury bug bite them. And it's always like, it seems to be like they have four wide receivers hurt. Now this week, two, like Avante Maddox gets hurt. Then Trevor Williams is supposed to step in and play for him. And then what happens? Trevor Williams is out this week. So they're going to be on their third corner on the outside. I just, I I don't know how any team really um, makes up for that. Well, remember, Mike, that they fired all the doctors and all the medical staff after the Super Bowl, right? Well, where's that got them? I mean, I haven't seen – it's not like they've led the league in uh, the least injuries and being healthy and everybody's available to go. I understand it's the NFL. I understand that people break down. I understand that it's a physical sport. But at the same time, it baffles me how they can continue to have such medical problems. I think the only person – that is pleased to see that there's a weekly litany of injuries is my man, Dr. Kevin McHale, because I heard you on with him yesterday, and uh, he's able to just, uh, hey, we got plenty to talk about this week. You're never going to run out of topics, Gil. Yeah, that's definitely true. Now, it's funny you bring that up because I heard Trey Thomas talking about this, and you know a lot of people, they, they do blame the medical staff, but he was saying how the medical staff is more about the people once you are already hurt. Maybe the... Uh, look in the direction of the strength and conditioning because what the medical staff does is once you are hurt, then you go to them. So is it more of the preparation heading into certain areas on on a week, whether it's practice or the game on Sunday, that you should be looking at maybe the strength and conditioning before, if that makes sense? You raise an excellent point, Hunter, and it's something that I hadn't thought of, but then as you sit back and look through the injuries, you know, like if it's a torn bicep or if it's a torn pec muscle like Hargrave had last year, you know, is this, you know, are they lifting wrong? Are they doing things wrong? Are they, are they going too hard when they are lifting? You know, uh, what are those issues? Because we all know that the NFL in 2020, it's, it's not like Buddy Ryan's NFL or Dick Vermeil's NFL where they actually hit in practice. And that could be it, too, you know? I mean, believe it or not, uh, were they less injured back when you were actually able to cream each other and hit each other at practice? It's, it's like touch football all week, and then they get to the game, and then you're having car wrecks. You know, I mean, I think I heard that described once, that, you know, two NFL players hitting each other are like, a, are like two small cars hitting each other at like 10 miles an hour. You know, there, there's going to be impact and there's going to be damage, right? Well, if they don't do that at all, through training camp, they don't do that at all. Basically, through the week, because you're recuperating from the game that was, or you're trying to, you know, make sure you're ready for the game, and then you get out there and blammo. Maybe that's part of the problem. 
I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I do know that sports these days are trying to go with the approach of, you know, let's not risk it as much as possible. And maybe that is playing a role. I also do know that they're talking about the turf instead of actual grass maybe being a role with some of these ACL tears, specifically MetLife. I saw a bunch of players actually tweeting about that. Oh, yeah, I watched that last night. It was not a Jets guy that went down. It it reminded me of Wendell Davis. Uh, If you're old enough to remember Wendell Davis, when he cut his knee blew up and nobody touched him. You know, that was at the Philly, when the Phillies turf was so bad. So, yeah, and the Rams players complained about that the week, or was it the Niners players? There was somebody. They played there two weeks in a row. And lost Bosa, right? They lost Bosa and lost guys because of that turf. There, there's something going on there. So somebody didn't lay that turf down right, or they didn't put it up of those uh, the ground-up rubber pellets in the right way, or so, something's going on up there. That's too many injuries in the same place. Get CSI on this. Let's dust for Prince. All right. Uh, happy Hour Friday with Pete Thompson, brought to you by OddsTrader.com. To win at sports betting, need the right live information, the best website to get it, OddsTrader.com, your personal sports betting command center. Doc Rivers, PT. Yes, it's. I thought that's a good choice. You know, I mean, and even though it disappoints me that I don't get to reminisce with Teron Lou on a basis about the Nebraska days and when he played for Danny Knee and stuff like that, I thought uh, Doc Rivers. Well, I'll call him Glenn because there's only one Doc in my book, and you and I interviewed him in Avalon a couple summers ago. That'd be Julius Irving. But uh, Glenn Rivers, Doc Rivers, he's, he, that's a good choice, I think. You know, and, and the people that are trying to knock him for, you know, yeah, well, he's blow, he's blown three one leads. You know, I'm sorry, does he walk out on the court and take the shots? Not anymore. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory. I think he's got the best chance of doing two things. One in Boston, he, he helped Garnett and obviously led Boston to a title. And so I think he can get Embiid to listen to him and maybe expand Embiid's game in the right direction. And then, two, because he played point guard, Glenn Rivers is not 6'10", but Ben Simmons is. So he's got to be salivating the chance to get in a receptive guy's head like Ben Simmons and say, listen, I know you already see the court, and you and I could talk on that language of our court vision. Now let me get you to try to shoot the damn basketball a little bit. And I think uh, Glenn Rivers is the right guy to push him in that direction. Yeah, now how will um, how will Zumoff refer to him? Oh, he's going to call him Doc. Uh, everybody, I, I believe, you know, I mean, I, I'm just being stubborn, probably. And I, I think I saw it on social media, like, it's Philly, so there's only one Doc. You know, well, I mean, men of a certain age, right? You know, I mean, I'm older than you, Mike, so, you know, I watched Julius Irving play, and, and, and I'm, I'm – I get like a, a, you know, a kid when I see Julius Irving and uh, and Doc. So, you know, I just wanted to throw a little reminder out there to the youngins that might be listening that, hey, there was another Doc in Philly first. I hope I hope both doctors do well. Let's put it that way. Best Philly Doc, Dr. J, Roy Halliday, or Glenn Doc Rivers there, PT. How about, uh, hold on, what about oh, Dr. Man. Giannini? There you go, Dr. John. Uh, boy, uh, Dr. John is honored. Uh, are you just trying to pass at Rowan uh, Hunter? Is that why you threw in that list? That was like of course. three Hall of Famers, and, and then we'll throw in my guy at my college. <laughs> uh, I would say, geez, are those three, uh, you got to go Dr. J, right? He's one of the 50 greatest <laughs> NBA players of all time. It, but you, it'd be a slight one-two between Dr. J and Doc Halliday. All right. Uh, Sunday night football, Peter. If you want to win or eh. – do I want to win? Like, no, do feel I want to win. win? Do you feel? Are you feeling a win? How about do you think they cover at Ab- least? Because Sal Pal tried Absol- to give absolutely us some not. Not only do I not think they're going to win, I've got like this is my prediction. I've got thirty-one ten Niners. Thirty-one ten. Wow. Ooh, who gets the touchdown yeah. for the Eagles? 
Uh, Charlie Garner. <laughs> there you go. Played for the uh, Niners and the Eagles. You got you threw that yeah. in there. Good job by you. All right. I was trying to be safe. <laughs> uh, it's Happy Hour Friday with the Peter uh, PT Pete Thompson. It's brought to you by OddsTrader.com. And uh, PT's back for Tuesday with Thompson. Every two, we got people texting in say we got to do a, a a regular. They want us to do a daily singing segment. I don't know if we can do it every day. Oh yeah, no, that would really uh, tax all my. Uh, you know, I actually just got out of the doctor's office, so today was a little more of a challenge for me. But hey, I got it done. I, I, you, you tee it up. I try to deliver. Yeah, healthy as a horse, PT. I'll tell you what, she's going to take me off my blood pressure medication. I'm doing so well. Uh, wow. you know, uh, we're going to try a couple weeks without that. My blood pressure was 112 over 71. Uh, she said that's the best I've ever had. Proud of you. Me too, buddy. All right, Happy man. for it. Okay, right. talk to you soon, guys. Have All fun. Right. I'll be listening. It's uh, Happy Hour Friday with the PT here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Somebody else uh, texted in. Um, uh, not going to lie, that golf line was clever, but golf is still still isn't half the quarterback Wentz is, even with Wentz's current struggles. The, the numbers would suggest otherwise there, George. What do you think Sean McVay would be able to do with Carson Wentz? A lot. Yeah, yeah, I would say the same. But that's not to say, I mean, I like golf. I'm not anti-golf. I think he's No, I'm saying that's not to say that Peterson has done great things. I, oh, look, I agree. He was he, 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 Peterson was this close to saying, hey, I have the MVP of the league as my quarterback. I just think about Carson Wentz in just because of this scenario being brought up. I don't actively think about it, but you know what Sean McVay could be could do and what he could be able to execute maybe with a Carson Wentz could be scary. All right, coming up, one thought on every game in the NFL this week with NFL insider Casey Joyner. One thought, every game and the matchups you need to watch. And the Eagles and the 49ers, he's watched the tape. He'll break it to PT. It's brought to you by Recovery Centers of America. Drug and alcohol addiction treatment centers are located in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and Devon, PA. Don't forget, coming up tonight, game night. Looks like Brandon Boykin. Is that former Eagle corner? Brandon Boykin is on with Josh at 620. Tomorrow, former Florida State corner uh, quarterback and New York Nick point guard, Charlie Ward, is on Sports Bass Saturday. Talk a little college football. Reed Fowler is also on at 1220. So 1220 Reed and 120 Charlie Ward. Also, don't forget the locker room tomorrow with Billy Schwime. And the locker room Sunday is live on the boardwalk in Ocean City at the all-campus store. Love that store, by the way. Great hats in that store. I'm a big hatsman. Although I never wear a hat. Yeah, I was going to say. I have so many hats, but I never wear them. What do you think about this one here? The because Harvard, I'm 43 years old. If I start wearing hats, I'm going to lose my hair. That's the reason I'm 43 and still have my hair. You can wear some hats. I wear them during baseball season when I coach. What do you think about this one? It's nice. It's a nice hat. It's college yeah. hat. That's up your road. You got a lot of lettuce. You got to let it flow. Well, I do. I let it flow out the hat. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm always a hatsman. All right. Let's uh, get one thought every game and the matchups to watch. Break this one down. Oh, man. I want to know if he's a hat guy. I don't even care about the games. (laughs) Let's bring in Casey Joyner, NFL Insider, thefootballscientist.com. I don't see Casey as a hat guy. Do you wear a hat? Uh, Only if it's out in the sun. We're in Florida, so we get out in the hot sun. Sometimes I'll wear the hat. But no, no, normally uh, I got the hair, so I got to keep it. Yeah, see, that's why I said I'm 43. I still have all my hair. I can't be wearing hats because, you know, the next thing you know, the hair starts falling out. You get some bald spots. No, 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 no hat for me. 
Um, all right, let's look at this one, man. This I, I got to tell you, this tape looks ugly when these two teams match up. All I see is Shanahan with jet sweeps, misdirection, and Kittle running wild against that lousy linebacking core. Oh, and Debo Samuel, too, returning. If, if it wasn't bad enough, you get him back, and uh, it's – it does not look good. I keep trying to find paths to victory. I think I found a couple for the Eagles and things. But, yeah, generally speaking, this, this has the looks of a mismatch. All right, let's, uh, let's start with, you know, up front, because a lot in the trenches could change some things. How's the 49er offensive line? The one positive, I'm wondering if this is the one path to victory, is if the Eagles' defensive front causes some problems. I think that's part of it. The Eagles need to make sure, by the way, they've allowed more team, more defensive drives this year, 40 drives against their defense than any other team in the league. So you've got to find a way to not have your defense out there for 13 uh, drives a game if you can help it. Um, but, yeah, that is part of it because the 49ers, they're a very good run-blocking team, but the thing is is they are inconsistent. So they'll get very big holes in defenses when they do block well, but they don't block particularly well all the time. And, you know, the Eagles have that one gap, get up the field pressure. They can keep what I call good blocking rate. They can keep that down for the 49ers, I think. And it's a matter of, okay, when the 49ers do get good blocking, can the Eagles, which is always their problem, can they keep the big gains down? But if they can, then they've got a chance to slow down the ground game. Two corners out, Avante Maddox, the starter. His backup, uh, Trevor Williams, who was supposed to start, he is out. They're going to be on their third corner. How big of a factor is that? Do the Niners like to push the ball down the field? They can. I mean, that's not their biggest thing. They're going to push the field and push it down the field off of the play action. But I wonder with Kittle back in there, how much he's going to go into their offense. And I wonder with Sam, when you've got injured players coming back, do you send your a lot of your your you know do you go full strength and say, hey, these guys are going to be in there, or do you expect to get some injury rust? I'm expecting some injury rust. So I don't think they'll necessarily push it deep. And plus, the 49ers just not with a backup quarterback. They're not going to say, let's go vertical first and foremost. They're going to do that as a counterpunch. I'm the Eagles. I'm still concentrating on the ground game. All right. Uh, you look at that defense of San Francisco. It's a little beat up, yes, but Philly's offense, no Deshaun Jackson, no Alshon Jeffrey, likely no J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So you got basically a skeleton crew at wide receiver. Where can they find some cracks in the 49ers' defensive armor? Uh, no Goddard either. So No Goddard, yes. Yeah. No Jalen uh, Rager. Yeah, I mean, it, it's bad. Where I keep looking, the, the metric that keeps standing out, and I'm looking over the tape and the metrics, I, uh, the metrics I have, but the one thing that stands out is in week two, the 49ers give up 182 rushing yards, or I'm sorry, 100, uh, 104 rushing yards to the Jets, and they give up 180 rushing yards to the Cardinals in week one. I mean, th- this is a rush defense that, when you look at the metrics, is middle of the league, and frankly, I look at their uh, their per-carry metrics and some of the plays they have. They allowed Kyler Murray to get double-digit yardage on four rushes, and they allowed Daniel Jones to get a couple rushes. So if I'm, if I'm the Eagles, I know we don't have a great passing game, but I'm saying, all right, well, Wentz, you've got some mobility, and they've shown a penchant for giving up some of those. So I want him to get a couple of plays, and I'm just going to go a lot of 12 with or bring in an extra lineman and say, look, we're just going to go ahead and pound you guys because you're kind of banged up up front. We're going to see if we can get 125 yards on the ground, which I think is a reasonable estimate. Um, we watched the game against the Rams and they got Goff moving out of the pocket. Is that something that Doug Peterson needs to start doing more of? Get Wentz moving to gain some confidence. I think that would be part of it. I think you also need to do 
they can do some. They can simplify some of the, the game plans. I mean, you can go. There's like you could do two man routes, we three man routes. You could do full field routes. You could do one man routes. And the more complex I think you make it for Wentz right now, the more difficult you make it for him. So what I'm trying to do, unless the Forty Niners make it otherwise, I'm going to try and do a lot of simple two man routes. I'm going to try and uh, get people maybe somebody isolated in a one man route and say I'm going to run certain things against them. Or hopefully if they play off, I'm going to try and throw some hitch routes. I'm just going to try and find things they can make him successful. Because I talked earlier this week, I think if he has success and starts to trust the receivers that he does have out there, if he has some success with that and he can start trusting the offensive line, he's going to play better. Because right now, I think he just thinks I've got to be successful and I've got nobody around me helping me. You know, um, last year they simplified things. They didn't have very many help uh, in terms of uh, weapons, in terms of wide receivers. They won four games. Now, you're playing San Francisco. You weren't playing the Giants. Uh, I think uh, the Giants, they played twice in that run. I think Washington was in there. So this is a little different. But is simplifying things the way to go to get Carson back on track? Um, it's partially Just real quick, it. because what made Carson Carson is that he made the brilliant play. He made the, the outstanding play. He, 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 you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't just, you know, dinking and dunking and doing stuff. And that's why it's just such a weird thing to see him regress so much. I think maybe you keep find, you got to find ways to get to get Earth open. They got to find ways to you know you can play call certain people open and things. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one other person that if you do want to decide you're going to take shots, one person they might want to go after is a guy named Michaela Witherspoon, who's in the 49ers secondary. Eight passes thrown his way, he's allowing ten yards per attempt, seven completions and ten yards per attempt. So I, you can look at that and say maybe if you get a big player too. And let's not forget. They are facing a backup quarterback. Mullins is not somebody. This is not Garoppolo. This is a backup quarterback, and if he's, you know, he might make some mistakes like last night. Rippon made some big plays, but he also made some big plays for the Jets. So you look at that and say maybe Mullins could be the same thing. So if you can land a turnover or two from Mullins, and you can get the quarterback runs, and you can get some movement in the ground, and you can maybe hit a big play against Witherspoon, you start adding it up. It's a small path to victory, but there is one there. Uh, yeah, just tell us what's different about because I looked at the numbers uh, between Garoppolo and Mullins; they're almost identical across the board. What's different about the San Francisco offense when with the quarterback change? The thing that both of them do is you can they'll have high bad decision rates, and I say a high bad decision rate. Most quarterbacks today have low bad decision rates because the league has figured out how to make sure the quarterbacks don't throw picks. But you can do things. They want Shanahan wants to be aggressive in his offense. When he calls an aggressive play, his quarterbacks tend to want to take that aggressive play. And if you're there waiting for them, or you've got a counterpuncher, you know what to look for, and you can take chances in secondary. If I'm the Eagles, I might do that when they're taking shot plays, when they're taking some of those some of those big plays like that because. Their quarterbacks will force pass in the coverage. I think part of it is is that they know they're not going to get that many chances. So when Shanahan calls for a big play, they're going to try to take it. And I think the Eagles need to turn one or two of those in interceptions. And I think that Mullins, just like Garoppolo, will give them those opportunities. Um, obviously, um, not a lot of people have optimistic vibes around this team right now. <laughs> oh, three and one would be disastrous. But you said you found a couple paths to victory. What are some of those paths? Uh, you can do two things. You can try and turn this game into a shootout, which I don't think is a good idea for the Eagles. I think they're trying no. to do that. <laughs> Pass. No. Give me another you one. Could, <laughs> yeah. that, would norm- that would normally be your approach to say, let's try and see if we can get this in a shootout because they're 50-50 propositions, even against powerhouse offenses. So I think the thing is, it's the number of drives. I mentioned that the Eagles have allowed more drives on defense, 40 drives on defense. No other team has had more. 
against them. I think you need to keep that number down to 10. If the Eagles can keep the number of drives in this game to 10 or more, to 10 or lower, or if it's a higher number, it's because you're getting a couple of you know, interceptions and adding quick drives like that, and turnovers are moving up there. But if it doesn't a turnover-laden game, if you can keep it to 10 or lower possessions, you've got a shot because there are some things you can do running game, the running game against this defense. I think that's the chance. But if this thing gets up to 12 or 13 possessions against the Eagles again, I think that's when they lose. All right, we'll get uh, Casey's take on that game, who will win and why, coming up. But first, let's get one thought on every week four game, starting with the Thursday nighter. It was entertaining. I mean, Rippin will grip it and rip it, no pun intended, but my God, are the Jets a disaster. They are. I mean, the, the funny thing is, is that their defense actually has some strong suits. They did get three interceptions. And if you said coming into the game, the Jets are going to get 30 yards of offense and they're going to get three picks and they're going to score 28 points, you'd think, yeah, of course they win. But, of course, they find a way to give up 37. they got to give it a game soon enough. Yep. Uh, we'll see when that ends up happening. All right. Indy and Chicago. Foles is up against his former coach, uh, Frank Reich, who he gave a lot of praise this week, said he's the guy that got it out of me. What does Foles add to this Bears, this 3-0 and Bears team? And you got a 2-1 and Colts team traveling on the road. By the way, the Colts are favored on the road here. Yeah, they should be. They've got the best defense in the league. They're allowing a lower yards per play total than any team in the league, so I think the Bears are going to have some big problems against that. But what Foles allows you to do, I think if you're Nagy, you just trust your quarterback more. You, this, I can, I can call for a bigger place with him than I can for Trubisky because I just don't trust Trubisky. He's going to take too many chances. But even against the Colts, as strong as their defense is, and by the way, their offensive line is blocking as well as any team league. I like the Colts pretty handily. Wow, likes Colts pretty handily there, everybody. We were talking about that game earlier. Jacksonville, Cincinnati, you know, kind of a clunker here, but you get to see uh, the number one pick, his progression. And that Jacksonville team, look, if they can get a win here, Cincinnati hasn't won, what, like 14 straight other than the tie last week. Uh, Jacksonville can get themselves to 2-2, two and two, but they, do they do it? Does, does Cincinnati break this streak? Uh, it, it's a tough call to say Cincinnati would break the streak. I mean, I like things about Cincinnati because they because of what they the, the pass offense. Burrow's looking better week to week to week. But they've got the worst rush defense of the league, and I think James Robinson is going to get some big plays. I'm still going to take the Bengals because I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I and I like them for that. But I would I think this is going to be one of those 34-31 contests. Oh, a fun one there. Uh, sometimes these bad teams give us good games. How about Cleveland here uh, going to Dallas two and one? Cleveland scored 30 points or more back-to-back weeks. We know Dallas can put up points, can't stop anyone. This has the makings of a shootout. It does. Uh, Chubb and Hunt, and my, uh, Hunt is hurt, so it's a question if he can go full. Uh, but if he can't, Chubb can still take on a Belkow workload for a day. But the Browns are third in rush yards and fourth in rush yards per attempt. And you mentioned Dallas, they lead the league in offensive yards. They're tied for second in rushing touchdowns. I mean, they, they, they're still getting some ground production, too. So, But the uh, the, the uh, Browns defense is banged up, and the Cowboys defense is not. And I think the Cowboys just have more talent on defense. So I like the Cowboys, but not by a whole lot. All right, let's go uh, where we at here in uh, Detroit. They came back on the road last week. Ah, That was disappointing for Arizona, but uh, can they uh, hold up to New Orleans, who hasn't looked themselves either? They put up some points uh, on Monday night there, but, you know, they're struggling a little bit. Breeze uh, Breeze doesn't seem to be able to push the ball down the field as much. The Saints have the lowest air yards per attempt this season. They are more dink and dunk than any other team, and I think it'll remain that way. Detroit has some secondary problems. They've got a couple corners that are banged up, and they, they could be shorthanded there. But they're giving up 5.7 yards per carry, and the Saints want to be a ground-heavy team. So Kamara and Latavius Murray are both going to get a lot of carries this week, and that's why I think gives Saints the win. 
Seattle and Miami. They had to travel across the country here. Dolphins uh, have a couple extra days. They played on Thursday night last week. Hey, Seattle's defense stinks. Can Miami put up some points here and maybe steal one or not ready for that? Seattle's defense, the first in NFL history to allow 1,200 more passing yards first weeks of the season. It's terrible. Miami's given, uh, scored 59 points in the past two weeks, and they've been a 311 passing yards against Buffalo. So I think that they're – and plus, it's a, this could be a trap game, by the way. All the, all the makings are there for it. Seattle just got through the couple of highly emotional games. They're taking the longest road trip of the week. I'm still going to pick them because they get such the talent edge, but I only have a confidence level like two in this one. L.A. and Tampa. Here comes uh, Tampa back home. Chargers traveling across the country. They had a tough loss last week against Carolina. Tampa Bay was able to take care of Denver. We'll get to see Brady get the 3-1. and one. I think we will. The thing is, is Brady struggles. Everybody pays attention to him. And, okay, Godwin's hurt. Nevins was hurt. And what's going to happen with Gronk? Everybody's talking about that. Tampa's defense ranks tied for third in sacks. They're tied for second in interceptions. They're tied for fourth in TD uh, pass percentage allowed. And they're second in tackles for loss. This defense is playing exceptionally well. And the Chargers have a 2,000-mile road trip. Doesn't matter if they go with Taylor or Herbert. I think that the Bucks can be pretty confident winning this one. All right, Beltway Series, Baltimore and Washington. Baltimore coming off a bad loss on Monday night. Washington, of course, since the Eagles games, looked a lot like Washington all of a sudden. Uh, this is a bad spot for them, is it not? Uh, it's the best match of the year so far. I don't usually do. I do confidence level picks for, for pick watch, and I do a 1 to 10 scale. And 10 means that the pick is as confident as can be, and I've got the, uh, I've got the Ravens with a confidence level of 10 in this one. I mean, Washington's just, they've got the third lowest scoring drive rate in the league. Baltimore's defense is going to be fired up to come back, and I think their offense is too. I think this, this could be a 30 point win for Baltimore. Uh, 30 point win for Baltimore. Wow. Arizona, Carolina. I was so disappointed with Arizona last week. That's a home game against a bad team. Now you got to travel on the road. Are we looking at back to back wins for Carolina and back to back losses for Arizona? It's one of those things that's probably the best thing that could have happened to them because I think they were starting to read their press clippings and, hey, we can just take a game off against the Lions. We'll beat these guys. And the Lions decided they were going to, they wanted to play. I think Carolina, or Arizona is going to step up because of that. Uh, Carolina just, or Arizona has across the board matchup advantages. I don't see any places really where Carolina has an advantage and they could potentially turn into a shootout game, but that's not what they want to do. So I see a lot of pass to victory for Arizona this one. All right. Uh, how about Minnesota 0 and 3? Houston 0 and 3. Two teams I don't think anybody thought would be a combined 0 and 6 when they met in this game, but who gets there first? You know, Minnesota has zero punt returns this year. <laughs> they Jeez. don't have a single punt return this year. That's how bad their defense is. It's amazing that, uh, that the Mike Zimmer defense can be this bad, and I, he's trying a lot of things to correct it, but I think it's a lot of personal issues. I don't think it's bad coaching. I don't think it's, it's necessarily that they're you know, not playing the way they should. They're just this is who they are. And against Houston, I think Houston's going to find a way to put up a lot of points, and I don't trust Minnesota's offense not to pick them. So Houston by a small amount. All right, New York uh, traveling. It's uh, New York and L.A., you know, the two biggest cities we got here, but maybe the two biggest you know, differentials in talent in this week. You got the Giants taking on the Rams. Rams have been on the road for a couple of weeks. The Giants got bombed last week at home, and now they're going to L.A. L.A.'s been mopping up on the NFC East. They have, and they're going to do that again this week. The Giants have by far the worst rushing attack in the league. They're 
last in rush attempts, rush yards, and rush yards per attempt. They just they can't get anything done, and they keep scoring fewer and fewer points. It was 16 in week one, 13 in week two, nine in week three. I think they'll get back to double digits this week. But the Rams' offense is playing very well too, by the way. And in fact, the funny thing is they got Van Jefferson was their three, and now it looks like Josh Reynolds is going to be their three, and Van Jefferson to be their four. So they're even deeper in the receiving core than they were before. So I like them by a lot. I feel that if Brady was at New England, this game would be getting more pub. It would be a higher profile. But Kansas City, New England, a pretty good game. It's an eight-point spread. Kansas City too much? I think Kansas City too much, and I think part of it is that people are seeing Newton and saying, hey, he's a running quarterback. Yeah, he got the big game against Seattle, but Seattle's got the, the you know, historically bad defense. So I think people realize that Cam is just not going to be a pass quarterback. And, and when you've got a running quarterback and it's a ground game like that, I think people think it's more of a boring approach. But here's the thing. Kansas City, they don't want to get in the shootout contest. This won't be a shootout contest, but they've got a lot of ways to get into, to, to a lot of points. And I think the, the, the Patriots are capped at like 24 in this game top side at Kansas City. Buffalo, 3-0, and traveling on the road. Vegas, you know, Vegas is uh, coming off a tough one, and obviously Buffalo has uh, had some close games here. So I feel like this might be the one that everybody's looking at Buffalo and saying they're the favorite on the road here. I'm wondering if people, if Buffalo finally stubs their toe as a road favorite here. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm still, I still got them as the pick, but Las Vegas is playing very well on offense. They've, they've got the make it all. They've got some interest in the receiving court. They're, they're just controlling the line of scrimmage with the ground game, of course. But here's the thing. Buffalo's going to four wide receiver sets more than any team in the league. So they're scoring all these points. And hey, that's great. They're getting into shootouts. They've allowed 30 plus points in every, or 24 plus points in every game. The Bills defense ranks 27th in pass yards allowed and 20th in expected points allowed and 16th in points allowed. I mean, this is just a, a subpar defense and eventually it's going to catch up with them. I don't think it'll be this week. It'll be 60 plus points scored this week, but I think they'll win, but they need to change it because they can't keep winning this way. All right. Then on Monday, Casey will be back to tell us about Atlanta and Green Bay. Don't forget Tennessee and Pittsburgh was postponed. That game will be played in week number seven and that is your nfl week number four one thought every game let's get your thought on philly and san francisco your thought on that game who wins and why i have to pick san francisco just because they have many more paths to victory when i do these confidence levels i'm trying to think of uh, the percentage chance of victory uh, based on number pass to, to victory and i can see a like a two in ten chance of philadelphia winning this contest and, and saying okay they, it could happen if they do if they do this if they do that but when you're talking on the road against the san francisco team that's getting kittle and samuel back and all the other factors that we've got i've got to pick san francisco this one i i think the eagles can keep it within a touchdown but i think it's still a confident san francisco win all right casey joiner back on monday with one thought on every game in week four and a preview of the Monday Night Football game. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Casey, have a great weekend, my friend. Enjoy the football. Thank you, you too, man. All right, that's Casey Joyner here on the Sports Bash. There you go. One thought. Every game, and he, too, said he likes the Eagles could kind of hang around. There was a game a couple of years ago when they played the, the Patriots, and they kind of hung around and hung around and hung around and just didn't have enough. Feel like maybe? No, I don't feel that way. No, I didn't know if you were going to throw that Chip Kelly game at me where you thought that there was no chance and they went in there and they got the job done. That was the one that, uh, yeah, that nobody gave him a shot in. They ended up winning that game, and then the next week they lost against some worm burglar. Well, do you think maybe we just were so down on this team that they prove us wrong? I, I, they have given, look, I am not an anti, um, you know, uh, 
whatever guy. I'm never the guy who's like, you lose two games, you stink. You lose to the Dolphins, you stink. I get it. It's the NFL. You're going to lose to teams. You don't play well that week. But they have, like last year they lost to the Dolphins. They had played well in other games. Like, okay, you played bad against the Dolphins. I get it. It's disappointing, but it's not really who you are, right? Like, there's a difference. This is who you've been for three weeks. Like, I get it. Last year, that Dolphins game, they had lost three games in a row, but it was 17-10, to 17-9, and then you lose to the Dolphins. You played those the Seattle game with no receivers, the New England game with no receivers, but you hung in the game. Now you're losing, and you just look bad. Like, no, I, it's a different feeling, no doubt. It's a different some feeling. Some people can't compartmentalize. Like, you lose three games in a row, end of the Dolphins, you stink. No, there's there's time and places. Like, you just you, you were hurt. You hung in those games. You showed against Green Bay that you could do it. You showed against uh, Buffalo that you could beat a good team. So, last year they showed – they have showed – zilch this year. Nothing. We didn't give them a chance against Green Bay on that Thursday night game, though. Maybe we had more optimism than we do for, let's say, Sunday, but a lot of people did not give them a good chance to go win that game on a short week on Thursday night football last year in Lambeau Field, and they did do it. But you know why? They had shown some signs in the games that even they lost to Atlanta, the Detroit game that they lost, they were putting points up. Like J.J. Arthur-Whiteside dropped the game-winning touchdown, essentially. Yeah. Was it him, or was it somebody else who dropped oh, that? It was J.J. Okay, yeah, it might have been. But Wentz did not look like this. So you felt like, you know, Wentz can give you a game and, 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 and keep you in these games. That's the biggest problem I'm having right now is I don't see it, and the reason I don't see it is because I think he's lost. I think he's lost. Can he turn that all around all of a sudden? I don't know. We're going to find out. I don't feel great. No. Nope. Yeah, I don't feel great. And, and again, I feel bad because the kid, I like the quarterback. I want him to be great. I'm not feeling it right now, man. I feel like when he snaps, the ball is snapped to him, he doesn't know what's going on. It's not a good feel. It's crazy to think about where we once were with this guy because we literally claim that the dynasty is now opening. We talked about it like this is going to be, and I hate to quote Doug Peterson here, but the new norm is going to have that. You're going to have that quarterback who's going to put you in those positions, and somehow, some way, within three seasons, boom, here we are. All right, uh, Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. It's brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call with four convenient locations to serve you online. GMS Law. Com. All right, we'll make our picks for the game, and then we'll get our five. So, fire away. We're going with the five right now? No, I said we'll make our picks. Well, then you said and fire then away. then we'll go with the five. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to implement our picks with the five, but I can move and figure some pieces I tried out. to let you do that, and you kept giving me the uh, pick on the first. I did that yeah, once. It was and not I, good. I made, a, I made the adjustment. I made the adjustment. Oh. If you can see my paper here, it's at the bottom. But okay. Pick. San Francisco wins the game 31-24, which actually pushes all the betters. 31-24. Yeah, I'm not feeling I'm, I'm feeling 38-17 San Francisco. The reason I gave the Eagles some more points is the cornerbacks are so banged up for San Fran. But look, the other side is... The who? The corners. Against your wideouts? Well, that's what I was saying. I was saying the alternative is... When you look at the other side what of the ball, score? 31-24, which gives it a push. Okay. I'm feeling a big one out of Greg. 
You know how we yeah, feel about I, the old I, Wardy here in Philadelphia. I see the go-to guy. I see a lot of jet sweeps. I see a lot of Kittle. I see a tough day for the defense. Not a good matchup. Don't like it. You know what's going to happen. Monday we're going to be talking about the big win. I think you match up better with. Like, how do you win this Maybe game? Maybe Pittsburgh. Not, how do you win this game? What do you do to win this game? What do you do? Well, like Casey said, you got to hold the ball, run it, keep their offense off the field. I like the other option. No, well, the first option you gave, I didn't want that one. <laughs> a shootout. I, I was like out that on the one. shootout. I like that one. All right, five coming up. And uh, I got one more Sports Bash Cash code word worth up to $10,000. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles. Man, I need five. Number five will always love you. All right, there's our picks. Uh, Hunter went 31-24, San Fran. I have 38-17, San Francisco. But we still have five questions to get to. And don't forget tonight, game night. Former Eagles cornerback Brandon Boykin joins the show at 6:20. And then tonight we got Holy Spirit St. Joe on 97.3 ESPN at 7 o'clock. I'll be on the call with Steve Parker. You excited? Love it. When was the last time you called a game? Probably a while, right? Uh, did uh, based off of circumstances last year. Wow. Yeah. Do I mean you normally I would assume would call a game before this big break, right? Just based well, off we of normally would have started in September. Right, right, right. So just a long time off. It's got to be nice to Actually, get the call. Actually, I was on the call for Holy Spirit St. Joe in the state final last year. That's the last game I had, December second, twenty nineteen. I can't wait to listen. Yeah, I enjoy it. All right, so you're 57 and 53 on the season for our the five questions that we do every day. I'll give you some Eagles ones, but before we do, we'll dive into the NBA Finals. When we return on Monday, what will the series be at? There's two games. There's one tonight, and there's one on Sunday. 3-0. 3-0, Lakers? I mean, Adebayo's out. I for think Drogic is out, too. They said they think is going to try to come back. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's 3-0. Okay. I mean, it just, you're out man now. Yeah. You were out man before, now you're really out man. West Virginia, do they win on Saturday? Uh, those Baylor-West Virginia games are always wacky. This is a noon game. It's a lot of points, I'll tell you that much. But uh, actually, West Virginia's offense isn't very No, I think West Baylor's not very good right now. I mean, when they had Matt Rule, different story. I don't think I think West Virginia wins. Okay. All right, let's get into the football for the Eagles. Does George Kittle score a touchdown? Two. Yeah, it's a tough day at the office for the Eagles with George Kittle. Over, under, is that 46? Well, I got over, 38-17. Okay. Over it is. Total touchdowns for the Eagles, over, under, two and a half. Under. The under was the favorite. Yeah, I got 38-17. That would be an under bet. That's two touchdowns and a field goal. Alright, well there you go. There's your five. 57 and 53. You're getting close to 500 now. There was one point where you were kind of running away with it, but a couple one and fours, a two and three. 57 and 53. Are you okay with that type of performance? Yeah, I mean, I'm just guessing on over-unders. I mean, come on. Well, if I had that record I thought you were a betting, genius. If I had that betting in the record world, uh, record in the betting world, I'd be doing great. I'd yeah. be making money. Speaking of betting, would you bet on the Marlins to win the World Series now, now that they're in the NLDS? It's unbelievable. And again, this is why this season's a fraud. I don't think it is. That the Marlins are now, put it this way, John Middleton, you've got the Braves and the Marlins playing each other. With one of them going to the National League Championship Series. 
two teams in your division. One won the World Series last year. Two are playing each other in the playoffs right now. And then there's you. The Mets don't count. The payroll for the Marlins is like 28 mil, I saw. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. No. Yeah. It can't be 28. Well, maybe it, it's based off of the 60-game season. You know what I mean? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pro, well, the, the pro rate. The Yankees the are playing Toronto. It's $248 million payroll for the Yankees. Not Toronto, Tampa. And Tampa's is $75 million. This is why I'm rooting for the Rays. Why? Because they're just doing it on a shoestring budget. You have some great uh, matchups, by the way. Yankees, Rays, AL East. Astros, A's, AL West. Marlins, Braves, NL East. And if the Padres win, you will have Padres, Dodgers, which play in the same division as well. Yeah, well, guess what? The Phillies are looking at two teams in their division still playing in the playoffs. So how do you like that? The Marlins' active payroll is $49 million. Okay, I'm just going off Kevin Nagandi, who tweeted out 20 minutes ago. Marlins' payroll, $28 million. That's a pro-rated yeah. number. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that makes sense. It's not wrong. Well, you got to give context to it, because in baseball, you're not allowed to have a salary, active salary, less than $40 million. Yeah, but, I mean, everyone knows the circumstances of it being a 60-game season. I don't think they do. I don't think they no do No one either. knew that it was a 60-game season this yeah, year. Yeah, but if you just said the salary, I mean... I said their payroll this year was $28 million. Yeah, but, like, the, the Yankees' payroll this year was $248 million, but not prorated right whatever the prorated salary of that is okay well, so I'm you just said based on what the, you yeah, know, the baseball that sounds world a lot is different freaking out of right now 28 million well, compared I think to that's that common sense if you know come on no because it's the marlins people might have said that does make sense that's almost that's common impossible sense isn't common anyway that's impossible by the way i do like your hat thanks man look yeah, at that no with the hat. marlins i wouldn't be surprised if their actual payroll was 28 million <laughs> really seriously who's on that team that makes any money no one. Right. I mean, you tr tell me who makes more than 10 million bucks on that team. Sixto Sanchez will one day. Not on that team. By the way, this is the perfect year for the Marlins to be good because no one goes to their games anyway, and no one's allowed to go to their games. They've never lost a playoff series. They're the best team in baseball history.